The second reading is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 24, from 50 to 53, verses 50 to 53. The ascension of Jesus. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. Seeing is believing, unless you're a Christian. Seeing is believing unless you serve an invisible God. Seeing is believing unless you only see a part of the bigger picture. The, the reality of our, our Christian faith is that what we believe isn't always what we see. We're called to trust in, have faith in, believe in things, even when we don't always see it. You know, Romans 8 says, All things work together for the good of those who love God. What about me? I love God. I don't always see all things work together. Or Mark chapter 2, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. You know, we just celebrated Easter where, where we've been told that our sins have been forgiven, past, present, future, all forgiven. But God, do you really forgive me? In my brokenness, when I sin, when I fail to change, when I try and hide what I've done, do you forgive me? You call me righteous, but I don't see my righteous life. Or even in our passage today, in the, in the scripture that we've read, Jesus is taken up to heaven, away from his people, away from the people that he just saved. And in John 16, Jesus says, it is actually for your good that I go away. Trust me, he says, it is for your good. It's actually better that I'm not here. And you might be thinking, wouldn't it be easier if Jesus was right here with us? Wouldn't it be better if he actually didn't go away? Wouldn't it be better for things like evangelism? Someone comes up to you, they say, it is impossible for a man to do miracles. Well, hey, just look at, look at Jesus at Manly. He's walking on water. Checkmate. Or... Or wouldn't it be better because I don't have to argue with even Christians as much? Imagine Jesus coming to the Bridge Church, guest speaker. Imagine the Q&A session afterwards. Tell us, Jesus, what do you think of same-sex marriage? Tell us, Jesus, are Catholics saved? What do you think of divorce and remarriage? What do you think of, of politics? How do I engage? What do I do with my career isn't it better? Jesus says, it is better that I'm not here. But sometimes it's hard to see why that is. Sometimes it's hard to see why that is. Jesus, in his ascension, he rises to heaven, seated at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning. Psalm 110. It's our first reading of today. Read with me. We're going to be flipping through the Bible quite a lot. But read with me. Psalm 110. Verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
Then jump down to verses 5 to 6. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. Jesus is sitting at the the right hand of God the Father. He's the one who will conquer everything and every ruler who gets in his way. He's far above all. This is the king who reigns. And, And when it says that God, he's at the right hand of God the Father, that's a position of honor, of status, of highest favor. He's above everything. And when we read this as Christians, we're called to believe it, right? But do we see it unfold in our everyday? Do we see it unfold? For those of us who are, are suffering, who are, who are feeling broken, confused with, with everything that's going on in life, does it feel like Jesus is reigning right now over this world? We, we, like, to, we like to look back at the cross. We see Jesus breathe his last saying, it is finished. Then we look forward and we know that there's a certain hope that when Jesus returns, he will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. No more tears, no more mourning, no more pain. We look back and we look forward. But what about right now? When we situate ourselves after the resurrection, but before the return, Do you sometimes feel maybe an absence of Jesus right now? Do you feel some sort of absence in your suffering? Because when I look around at this world, the evil, the brokenness, the injustice, it doesn't always look like Jesus is on that throne. It doesn't always look like he's he's reigning at the right hand of God the Father Almighty So why did he even go? Why the ascension? What's he doing right now? And that's simply what we're going to answer today. Why and what? Why did he go? What's he doing? First thing, why did Jesus go? I want to say the first reason for for why Jesus went is because that's where he belongs. That's where he belongs. Jesus didn't depart from a a home in earth. Jesus is actually returning to his home in heaven. Home was always heaven for Jesus. You know, let me read to you Philippians 2, 6 to 7. Pull that up if you want as well. Philippians 2, 6 to 7. It's talking about Jesus and it says, Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus humbled himself to be like us. He wasn't always like us. The Lord Jesus was not always on earth. He came to be like us in an act of humility and he made himself nothing, but that's not what he always was. Remember, this is the Jesus who, who all things were made through him and for him. Colossians 1.16, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This is the Jesus who who was also spoken about in John 3.13. It says, No one has ever gone into heaven except for the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. The one who goes back to heaven is the one who comes from, from heaven. And the Son of Man, it's a title for Jesus' authority, his status. For Jesus to have come down to earth as a human, it's not just a fact to know. It's not just something we celebrate at Christmas. This is the greatest condescension of our God. And so for Jesus to to ascend to heaven, for him to go back, it's simply a return to his rightful position, a return to his rightful position at his throne, at the right hand of majesty in heaven. It's where he belongs. The second reason for why Jesus went, I think, is is that Jesus wants to expand his presence and blessing universally. Jesus wants to expand his presence and his blessing universally. When Jesus says, John 16, 7, that it is for our good that he leaves, or even in the ESV it says that it is to our advantage, this causes us to to take a step back and consider what are God's greater purposes here? Who is it better for? Is it better for me? Or is it it better for all Christians? You know, when I was around 14 years old, I was in high school, and my parents said to me one day that that my dad was actually going to start a new business, start a new business in, in Queensland, he, he just told me, oh, you know, this is a solar company. It's better in Queensland. I didn't really know why. I couldn't care less. I was 14. But, but he tells me, you know, I'm going to go for a while. It's going to be a couple years. And, and at that moment, I was kind of like, oh, oh, a couple years. It's, it's not just a, a back and forth situation. It's, it's really a couple years. And, and my parents reassured me, oh, yeah, he's going to visit. We're going to visit him. Don't worry about it. But I started thinking about all, all, all the consequences. It meant that no one could take me to my soccer games. It meant that I probably had to do more chores. It meant that I, I didn't get to spend as much time with my dad anymore. And all the, the reasons I was thinking of kind of centered around myself. And I didn't see that, that this was the, the best decision for my family. And I think that's, somehow, that's sometimes how we see the ascension of Jesus. Wouldn't it be better if Jesus was right here in bodily form? He could answer my questions. He could comfort me in my depression, in my suffering. It would be so much better to be, tan- to be able to tangibly see him and feel him. But when we take a step back and consider the greater purposes behind it, we see that it's blessing the family. That's blessing the family of God. Our passage today, Luke 24, read with me, verses 50 to 51. It says this, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. 
As Jesus was leaving, he was blessing them. And I believe that this blessing turned out to be the Holy Spirit. You know, going back to John 16, verse 7, I want to read the second half of that verse. It says this. It says, unless I go away, the advocate, another name for the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. For Jesus to go is, is yes, an absence of the bodily Jesus. But it is also the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's an absence of the bodily Jesus, but it's the presence of the Holy Spirit, God himself, in us, in every single believer, in all of you. Because in this moment where we focus on on Jesus being absent, on the absence of Jesus, we fail to see that the living God dwells in our soul, in every believer. Instead of the human Jesus only being able to be at one place at one time, we have the Holy Spirit in all followers of Jesus at all times. Another passage, John 14, 16 to 18, it says, Jesus, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, but it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Child of God, you are not an orphan, for Jesus has come to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is here to help us and be with us forever. Can I encourage us to to stop focusing on the absence of Jesus, but start focusing on the presence of the Holy Spirit? Jesus didn't just leave so that we would stare into the distance, wonder where he is, Jesus left so that we could be guided, comforted, intimately by the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with the Lord Jesus, it's not only made certain, but it's magnified through the ascension. I want to say that that proximity doesn't equate to intimacy. Proximity doesn't equate to intimacy. What do I mean? I mean that by being physically close to Jesus this doesn't automatically mean you're spiritually close to him. Instead, having the Holy Spirit brings that intimacy. Knowing, listening, understanding, obeying the Holy Spirit is what brings intimacy with Jesus. You know, it includes allowing the Spirit to to open your eyes when you encounter the Word of God and obeying. It includes receiving a, a conviction from the Holy Spirit about your sin and repenting. It's being prompted by the Spirit to do something godly and glorifying and acting. Or, or, or when, when the Holy Spirit comforts you, when he, he reminds you of, of soothing truths for your heartache, it's receiving healing from that. There's more that the Holy Spirit does, but, but this is why Jesus left. This is why he ascended, so that his presence and blessing in the Holy Spirit would be magnified, expanded, manifest in every believer before his return. That's why he left. And a final small reason for for why Jesus ascended is that it leaves us with with a healthy longing 
a healthy longing for Jesus. When we have discomfort in this world, and we have a desire to see, see all of it come to an end and see Jesus face to face, that's healthy. To pray, come, Lord Jesus, come, is a way for us to just detach from the world, to detach from its fickle pleasures and temporary treasures. When we lift our eyes to Jesus and yearn for his return, it starts to remind us of who our treasure really is. It's a, it's a healthy longing for him. So let's move on to, to what he is doing. Let's move on to what is Jesus doing right now? Like I mentioned, we, we just came off the back of Easter. We reflected on, on Jesus on that cross, breathing his last, saying, it is finished. It is finished. The work he came to do on earth, it's finished. The curtain was torn in two. We have access to the holy God. Our sin paid for, our sins forgiven. It is finished. Yeah, I want to say that, yes, it is finished, but Jesus isn't done. Yes, he conquered sin on that cross. Yes, he rose again. He's not in the grave. He is risen. It is finished, but he isn't done yet. You know what he has done, but what's he doing right now? Let me tell you, he is ruling and reigning. Jesus is ruling and reigning, overseeing this world. Like I said, to sit at the right hand of God is authority, but it's also a sign of completion to an extent, a sign of fulfillment. Sitting is showing that his, his work on earth was done, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that Jesus was inactive. Tim Keller famous preacher, apologist, he says this. He says, the ascension is that which takes what Jesus was and did on earth and releases it into the universe and into your lives with all of its healing power. I'll read that again. He says, the ascension is that which takes what Jesus was and did on earth and releases it into the universe and into your lives with all of its healing power. And that's the way that Jesus is, is ruling and reigning right now. In, in the way that Jesus would be unable to, to tend to our brokenness at all times and be wherever we are, he instead is, is raised to the heavens so that he could magnify his reign over every soul. All the healing power of our ascended king is released across the earth. It's the, the renewal of our world. But I understand there's this, there's this tension, right? There's a tension. Why isn't the renewal more obvious? Why am I not seeing it directly happen in my life with my mental health, with cancer, with depression, divorce, sorrow, suffering? If the reign of Jesus means renewal in this world, where is it? Where is it? You know, a few weeks ago, I, I went over to my, my mum and dad's place and they're, they're currently going through some renovations. It, it, they're not major renovations, so they're still living in that place, living in kind of a bit of a mess. You know, I, I, w I went over and I was literally trawling through dirt, mud, rocks, all that sort of stuff, lots of soil, 
You know, there, there was, I went into the home, there was, there was a nice new bathroom, but then I looked out the window and there's an excavator. You know, I, w- I, was, I was looking at the, the fresh new paint, but at the same time, there, were, there was a room without floorboards or carpet. They were, they were living in this old and, and a little bit of new at the same time. And I think that's how we should see the world. We're in this in-between, living in a bit of old and a bit of new. As Jesus sits on his throne bringing renewal to this world, it's this ongoing process. Like my parents' house, we know that something new is going to come. We know that the old is going to pass away. But we're living in this in-between. Revelation 21, 5, it says, It's he who was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus is making everything new, and this is trustworthy and true. It's what I mean by it is finished, but Jesus isn't done. I want to invite you to to look up and see Jesus reigning, exalted, and supreme, that you see Jesus building his church right now. Matthew 16 says, The gates of hell shall not prevail. Part of the king's reign is to, is to call the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom. And as we speak, souls are still being saved. Sin is still being fought. Lives are being changed. More and more knees are bowing at the lordship of Jesus. A study by, by Boston University has shown that over the, the last four decades, Christianity in China has grown faster than anywhere in this world. You know, they estimate that, that the Christian population in China has grown from 1 million to 100 million. Jesus' healing power is certainly manifest in the country of China. His reign is certainly happening right now in the reign of China. More knees are bowing, more tongues are confessing that Jesus is Lord. When you look at the, the greater purposes of the kingdom of God, you see that the church right now stands on the ascension, actually. You see that the the rule and reign begins with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see Jesus as the head of that church. What's he doing right now? He's reigning and ruling his kingdom. He's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. But you still ask, how does Jesus' ascension affect me? at a personal level. Not that it's about us, but, but how does it affect me at a, a personal level? Is he doing anything? Yes, he is. Jesus is interceding and advocating for you. He's communicating to God the Father. He's saying something about you and for you. Hebrews 7, 23 to 25 says this. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. As the priest used to speak to God on behalf of the people of God, Jesus speaks to God for us. He's our priest, bloodstained, crucified, 
nail-pierced hands interceding for us. He's in that throne room of God right now, pleading for our forgiveness, saying to the Father that we are clean. Every time we sin, every time we turn away from the Most High God, Jesus is there petitioning for our purity. He's not embarrassed by us. He's not ashamed of us. Our forever priest, Jesus, is advocating for us. He says they are a forgiven people. We are a forgiven people. And so if, if you're someone who, who struggles with shame, who struggles with believing you've been forgiven, this is the Jesus you need. This is the Jesus you need. He's the, he's the one who, who will never let a child be lost from the Father. He ensures your, your blameless standing before God. Jesus, who knows all of you, who knows all your mess, still wants to intercede for you. He wants to speak on, on our behalf. He wants to, to represent us. He wants to be our brother or sister. He wants to, sorry, he wants to call us his brother and sister. The absence of Jesus, it, it's not really an absence at all, is it? Because of what he's doing right now, there is no way that we could say that Jesus' heart is not for us and with us. So as we finish, I want to read out the last two verses of our passage. Read with me, verses 52 and 53 of Luke 24. It says this, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Worship, joy, and praise. This response, this posture, this attitude, is, it's really a mark of a disciple that sees the bigger picture, that understands the, the magnitude of what Jesus has done, understands the magnitude of what is actually to come post-ascension. This worship, joy, and praise, it's, it's reflective of an anticipation, an expectation. It's their expectation for, for better things to come, that the healing power of Jesus would be released into the universe and into our lives, and at a scale far larger than they had ever witnessed before. So 10 a.m., yearn for this truth to take root deep in your heart and your mind. Because when life hits you with a season of the darkest valleys, when you get a, a terrible medical diagnosis, when you've just had a stressful week, when you go through pain and suffering, or when you fall into sin again and again and it just feels like your flesh is futile, when these things happen, you don't just have to wait for when things will get better when he returns. You know that Jesus is doing something right now. Don't be left staring at the heavens, wondering where Jesus is. You're wasting your time. Turn your wondering into your worship of him. Worship, joy, and praise. That's the response to a Jesus who, who's building his church, 
who's interceding for us, who's conquering sin, know that it is for your good that he's not here. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you ascended. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are reigning and ruling, that you are interceding for us. When, when our world seems to be collapsing, help us to look at your world, your kingdom, the universe, and see that you are ruling in ways that we just don't know and don't see. Father, we pray that, that you would instill in us not just a hope for the future, but a hope now. That Jesus cares about us right now. He is active. He's sitting on that throne at the right hand, but he is still active. Father, we pray that when the Holy Spirit convicts, prompts, comforts us, we would listen, know, and obey. We pray this in the name of Jesus.